0: Hello and welcome to The Bunker Daily with me, Yasmin Serhan. If you're an avid listener of The Bunker or our sibling podcast, Oh God, What Now?, you might be aware of the term progressive alliance, the idea that all the left-leaning parties in Britain would team up to beat the Tories in individual constituencies. In Hungary, this idea is happening on an even grander scale, with all parties from the Greens right through to the conservative-leaning Jobbik putting their differences aside to try and defeat Viktor Orban's Fidesz party, with the election set for April 3rd this year. But unseating Orban won't be an easy feat. The Hungarian prime minister has spent the past 12 years cementing his control over Hungary's public funds, its institutions, and its media ecosystem. Even if the United Opposition were able to form a government, it faces the ever more arduous task of reversing Hungary's democratic decline, one that has seen its institutions undermined, its press freedom curtailed, and its resources exploited by Orban and his allies. Joining me to discuss the upcoming election and what it means for Hungary are David Doros, the former MP turned campaign manager and candidate, and Peter Kreko, director of the Budapest Think Tank Political Capital Institute. David and Peter, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us.
0: So let's just dive right in. And and I want to start first with the united opposition. David, To start with you, what was the thinking behind this United Opposition project? When was the idea first put forward?
2: Uh, Thank you again for having me, and uh, what uh, we have to understand is that uh, Orban has a super majority and a super dominance over the Hungarian politics in the last 12 years, and that means that Orban and his ruling party, Fidesz, changed the constitution, and with this they changed the electoral system and the electoral rules. What was uh, before uh, a proportional system just became uh, majoritarian uh, electoral system, which uh, explicitly favors uh, Fidesz and explicitly favors uh, governing parties, so Orbán's parties So they used this new electoral system twice in 2014 and 2018. And in both cases, they faced a fractured opposition. And the result was uh, very clear that in both times, thanks to the fractured uh, nature of the opposition, they were able to have a supermajority without winning more than 50% of the votes. So it was... Uh, Uh, simple and uh, clear for every opposition uh, party that we have to make an alliance and we have to stand aligned and and together against Fidesz based on naturally the common criticism we have against Orban with uh, everything he as a turbo uh, populist has uh, done with the uh, rule of law, uh, the crackdown on independent media and other very important issues. After a longer negotiation period, uh, there was an agreement between six opposition parties that they will hold... Uh, primary and primaries to decide uh, uh, how they cooperate and uh, we had the first ever Hungarian primaries for parliamentary elections last September and uh, the turnout was huge and it was a huge success and that's the success and the political basis we uh, are building our campaign uh, for the upcoming, as you mentioned, April 3rd election.
0: Yeah, so David, it sounds like from what you've said that there was as much uh, a political necessity to do this, and that the parties are a lot stronger electorally, percentage-wise, together, but also this sense of shared end goal, this this notion of unseating Orbán and and try to sort of reclaim Hungarian democracy from the supermajority that you described. Now, here in the UK, I think it's it's fair to say that um, the parties or the country, has a hard time convincing, you know, Labour and the Liberal Democrats, which are two centre-left parties, to work together. But the coalition that you've just described spans the entire political spectrum. And and I'm wondering, you know, obviously, as as you've mentioned, you have a shared goal of unseating Orban, but how does the coalition work with all the other issues that perhaps the parties don't necessarily agree on?
2: We have put a lot of uh, time, energy and effort into uh, creating a common platform. We cover all the major issues facing Hungary today from climate change to inequalities uh, to economic development and the problem of uh, the dismantling of uh, uh, rule of law and the free media. So we have uh, a common project uh, which we will start after uh, winning a majority and forming our government. So the shared values and the shared political policy aims are the basis and uh, the fundamental part of our cooperation and alliance.
0: You talked about the, the primaries that the United Opposition held late last year. And I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a bit about Peter Markizai, the candidate that the electorate um, chose to lead the United Opposition as the prime ministerial candidate. Who who exactly is he and and what can you tell us about his background?
2: Yeah, um, uh, Peter Markizai is currently a mayor of a town uh, uh, from from southern Hungary. That's one of the 20 biggest uh, towns in the country. And uh, he used to. Work uh, as a business um, manager. Before that, he spent uh, considerable time in uh, can- living in and working in Canada and the U.S. And he was the first one who stood as a common uh, uh, candidate against Orban uh, in his first uh, electoral success as uh, mayor of hodmeze uh, This is the uh, town he currently leads. So he symbolizes. The cooperation and how one candidate can beat uh, Orban, even in a town which uh, could be considered as the heartland uh, of uh, Orban and Fidesz. So t- in 2018, when he was first elected, was a breakthrough moment. Building upon this breakthrough moment, uh, he was able to enter the race for the primary race for prime minister uh, candidacy. And uh, he is very energetic and uh, a new uh, voice on the oppositional side. And uh, I think with him somebody who is coming uh, from, from the right. So he's not coming from the established um, uh, social liberal background. So that's something that appeals to a lot of voters uh, on, on one hand, and on the other hand, uh, quote, uh, uh, Fidesz off guard.
0: Peter, I, I want to bring you into this. Taking a step back, how important is this election for Hungary?
1: Yes, first of all, thanks a lot, Jasmine, for having us, and and great uh, to discuss these important issues. I think this election is crucially important. I I would say that it's the last minute before midnight in Hungary, in the sense that we could observe a very obvious uh, crackdown on democracy in Hungary in the last 12 years, And according to all the institutions that are measuring the quality of democracy, like the Economist Intelligence Unit or Freedom House, Hungary have practically become a hybrid regime, somewhere in between democracy and dictatorship. And we have just abandoned the democratic end. And I still think that the government can be defeated on elections, which is very important. But there are less and less institutional independence uh, in Hungary when it comes to institutions like prosecutor's office, the media authority, the constitutional court, and the list goes on and on. And the nature of uh, the governance of Viktor Orbán is that he has to occupy more and more space in the institutions, in the economy. And uh, Hungary have practically become a strongly nepotistic state where this big chunk of the state apparatus is working on making the environment of the uh, prime minister and his allies uh, wealthy. Uh, So I do think that at this moment, when, as David have already said, the opposition uh, is united to beat uh, Viktor Orbán, which is a huge achievement and there are still a lot of, let's say, ideological differences between the players that came together to one front. And this is a necessity. Uh, Even before 2010, the Hungarian electoral system combined the elements of the proportional and the majoritarian system. But after the changes of the uh, electoral system that David have already referred to, it became way easier to get a super majority with less than half of the votes. While in 2010, Fidesz had to gain 53% on the party list to have a constitutional majority. In 2014, 45% was enough. In for, uh, 2018, was enough. Why is it important? Because contrary to what Viktor Orbán usually says, Hungary does not enjoy the support of the two-thirds of Hungarians. It's far from being true. Less than absolute majority of the voters supported him on the last two elections, but the characteristics of the electoral system make it possible for him to be a a supermajority. And right now, There is a big experiment. The opposition came together. There is a convincing candidate. Uh, There is a joint campaign. So uh, if it can be successful, then it can uh, give a huge boost to the uh, Hungarian uh, democratic forces, even if the governance will be highly challenging. If not it would mean that one more hope is lost. And then I I do think that uh, Orban can govern for a longer time. Plus, I would expect a stronger crackdown on democratic institutions if Orban will remain on power for for the reason that right now he's burning all the reserves he has, economically, diplomatically, and in every sense. And uh, if he wins once again then he can immediately become quite popular because of some corrective measures and austerity and so on. And if he wants to, let's say, keep the regime safe, I don't think he will have any other chance than uh, to having an even stronger grip on the institutional system.
0: Sounds like from everything you've just laid out. I mean, you, you noted at the top that it is still possible for for Viktor Orban to to lose an election, but it sounds like over the last twelve years, from everything you just explained, he he has tilted the playing field very much in in his party's favor.
1: Exactly, uh, he did his best to make it more difficult that he will be removed from power, and while, for example, the government. Uh, claims that he's representing the will of the people, even it was made more difficult to have a referendum in certain issues and and the uh, threshold for validity was raised. probably the uh, most important thing is occupying the media space as well. Orban have made the most centralized media system in the whole European Union, uh, even Silvio Berlusconi uh, could be quite envious that he could even never dreamt of a media empire that Orbán has with a huge media machinery, more than 500 media outlets were put into one huge giga foundation that is parroting the messages of the government, uh, having a political and not an information logic and uh, spreading fake news and disinformation big time, and this will be a, a big challenge for the opposition as well. The character of Peter markizai is a big challenge for Fidesz, and, and the fact that he is coming from the right and he represents all the values that Fidesz have, namely, stand for for a longer time, it is a big challenge. But Fidesz uh, has the opportunity to create a totally virtual reality, out of fake news and state-sponsored disinformation, something similar that we can observe in way less democratic countries, like in Russia or Turkey. And the big question is that how much uh, will it be possible to persuade voters that are uh, being a bit entrapped by the uh, governmental uh, media bubble? So yes, Orban did everything to Make it more difficult for the opposition to win. And the opposition has to win at least three, four percentage point more on the party list than the government. So to overcome all the distortions of the electoral system, but it is still possible to beat Orban. And if not, and we know it also from the fact that Orban made quite a lot of measures to save money and institutions for Fidesz in case that they will lose the elections. So they privatized some uh, universities, for example, and put a lot of Fidesz loyalists in their board. They still receive state money, but uh, they are on paper private, which means that uh, he can save his allies and give him them jobs, even if he will be in opposition. You don't de- do these measures if you feel that you're totally confident that you can win.
0: At the beginning of the pandemic, some of Europe's leaders were accused of using the crisis to bolster their power and clamp down on dissent. Um, How did Orban use the pandemic to his advantage and how concerned are you that he may further weaponize this during the campaign, whether it's by, you know, say, restricting rallies or things like that?
1: Orban have abused the situation as as much as he could so far with uh, introducing extraordinary legal Uh, situations where uh, there is less control over his power, less uh, supervision as well. And at the same time, it's easier to make decisions without parliamentary control. Plus, he also uh, used the opportunity that uh, people are more concerned about their own lives and how to survive the pandemic than about... uh, Corruption, for example, and we, we can clearly see in the figures that good investigative journalists in Hungary collected that uh, the distribution of the public money and uh, the winning public tenders by companies and and people close to Orban himself have totally accelerated from the beginning of the uh, crisis and the pandemic. And uh, also, Orban used the opportunity to accelerate his reorientation towards the east. For example, there was a big project that was that about uh, which there is an agreement. This is Budapest-Baghdad railway line uh, built by Chinese loans, finally by Hungarian taxpayers for an awful lot of money, and uh, also at least half of the companies that are doing. Uh, The project will be Chinese companies. The other half of the companies will be uh, close to Viktor Orban himself. And this is just one example out of the many. I think uh, we can already say that Orban have used the pandemic big time. Uh, I don't know how much they will be able to do that during the elections. And what is rather surprising, I would say that Hungary is, is a country where the mortality out of COVID is one of the highest. Um, And still, more than 40,000 people have died in a country of 10 million, and still, uh, Orbán's popularity is more or less on the same level. So the government is not necessarily interested into, let's say, going to lockdowns and more restrictive measures about the pandemic, because if they put it at the top of the agenda, it can be a quite dangerous topic for their popularity and image.
0: Going back to what I think both of you talked about with regard to the Hungarian media and press freedom, um, David, how have you sort of seen Orban use the media during the election campaign so far? And and, and partic- with, in particular with regard to Peter Marquisay, I'm, I'm curious if there's been any sort of attempts, uh, kind of like a smear campaign targeting him. I, I guess what I really am asking is, Is there a smear campaign underway?
2: Yes, and uh, it will uh, only be enhanced by by Orban and his uh, media team. So they will use everything they have in their classic uh, playbook. So uh, the opposition will be portrayed as foreign agents. They will be portrayed as uh, political parties who want uh, uh, to bring back austerity. They have been building up uh, institutions Institutions and uh, online uh, media outlets, uh, yeah, especially dedicated to um, that purpose. And as you have mentioned, they have a total control of the state media and they have around, uh, through urban-leaning oligarchs and other um, economic uh, circles, around 70-75% dominance of non-state media. And they have put a lot of uh, effort and energy into create an almost impenetrable media bubble around their um, constituents and around the Fidesz uh, water base. So, no criticism of Orban and no criticism of the governing party reaches um, approximately two, two and a half million uh, people who form the water uh, base of Orban. So, they have total control of the narrative uh, among those people. So, in that respect, it is very hard uh, for the opposition to reach those voters who are following Orban uh, almost uh, like, like a cult. So we have uh, a very uh, difficult task, and it's an uphill battle that we are fighting. Uh, but still, uh, we believe that these um, things could be overcome, and uh, there are voters out there we, that could be reached by, by opposition uh, messages.
0: Peter, on the same day as the election, um, there is also a referendum on the controversial LGBTQ law that came up last year. What will this law do if it gets approval from the people?
1: This law or, or this referendum is practically about a totally non-existent problem in Hungary. Why the government is uh, painting the buggy man of... Uh, LGBTQ propaganda that makes the youngsters and children unaware or or uncertain about their uh, gender identity and then they go to gender changing uh, surgeries and things like that this topic uh, I would say is uh, is in Hungary practically unknown or and the whole whole problem in in Hungary is almost unknown so Fidesz first has to explain what the hell is gender-changing surgery for its voters before making them uh, scared of that. Uh, And also, by all the disinformation in in Hungary, it seems like in Western countries, uh, people are simply not aware of of their gender identity anymore. Zorban said recently in one of his speeches, while uh, Hungarians can... Uh, will not froze in the winter, unlike the westerns. He thinks because, or he said, because of the high energy prices, uh, Hungary keeps them low. According to this narrative, in the West, uh, fathers can give birth to children as well. So that's that's the narrative that is emerging about about not just gender issues, but but about the whole West in in Brussels, in the European Union, but also in the UK and the US. Uh, this topic is the most important and he is he is fighting his crusade uh, to save children, as he says, and to save the traditional values. In fact, as far as I know, uh, but I'm not a legal expert, I have to tell, if this referendum is passed, it would not change that much in the legal landscape in Hungary. There was a restriction already that, that uh, the underaged, so the children... Uh, cannot uh, meet practically with, with any material that is putting uh, homosexuality in a positive light, which is, which is uh, quite a restrictive measure. So this law is not so important uh, in legal terms, but it is very important in political terms. Election will be also a huge test of how much the Hungarian voters and the right-wing voters resonate to a topic That is practically almost unknown in Hungary, and it's a pseudo-topic, but the government uses this buggy man of pedophiles and the buggy man of gender ideology to fuel hatred against uh, gay people in Hungary, and this is a serious issue.
0: Orban has spoken quite openly about his belief uh, that the international left, as he calls it, will interfere in the election in some ways seemingly echoing Donald Trump's claims of electoral fraud ahead of the 2020 US presidential race. How confident are you that Orban will accept the results of the election if he were to lose? And, and how likely are, do you think it is that, that he actually could lose this time around?
1: I think that there is a high chance that he can lose the elections. And my prediction would be, but probably I'm a bit too optimistic, in this case he would acknowledge losing the election, but at the same time, radicals on on the side of Fidesz, and there are quite many, even among the intellectuals, would raise serious questions about the legitimacy of the elections. So I definitely think that in a regime that conditioned its voters to conspiracy theories for 12 years, uh, it's not so easy to lose elections. And Orbán have already, uh, and the right-wing media have started to build a narrative, and the narrative is that Brussels, the European Union, and the United States is interfering into the elections. So while in most of the Western countries, uh, leaders are talking about the possibility of Russian and Chinese influence into the political system, Hungary is afraid of Western influence, but but this narrative is, is being built. What we know is that Orbán have lost already an election back to 2002, And the transition of power happened rather smoothly. I don't think that you can uh, really arrange a coup, for example, in in, uh, the middle of the European Union. But I I would expect tensions and I would expect that the hardcore supporters of the right would definitely go to the streets. And we could maybe imagine, I don't want to paint the devil on the wall, but uh, probably similar scenes that we could see. Uh, at the 6th of January 2021 uh, in the Capitol Hill.
0: David, Doros and Peter Krakow, thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks a so Jasmine.
0: And thank you for listening to The Bunker. If you enjoyed this episode, you can back us on the crowdfunding app Patreon. Just search Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out more. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Bunker Daily. Thanks for listening and goodbye. The Bunker Daily was presented by Yasmine Saran. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis. And the producers were Jacob Archbold, Jelna Sofranievich, and me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.